I know that that song today expresses the heart of a lot of us. These last few weeks have been about coming to know in a deeper, far-reaching way how much He loves us. And so, all we can do in response is love Him by living for Him. If you know you're loved by the King, live for Him. Live for Him. Live for Him. That's such an important refrain for us today that I've asked Jerry to come back in a few minutes and just do that all over for us. So let me ask you, are you at a place today where you know how much He loves you? You're living in that love. No matter how difficult or challenging the circumstance is, you're aware of this embrace around your life. Listen, men and women through all the centuries that have come to grips with the love of God on their life have begun to respond in the only way we can legitimately, and that is to give Him our life and to live for Him. Let me tell you a brief story out of the life of Jesus. Some of you are aware that in the country of Israel, there is a river that runs right down a rift called the Jordan River. And near the north end of that, there is a freshwater lake called the Sea of Galilee. A whole lot of activity of Jesus took place around the Sea of Galilee. And on one occasion... He was on the west coast, and he decided to go to the east coast. And he ended up in a little town called Gerasa. You find the story in Mark chapter 5. And when he gets to Gerasa, he encounters a guy, and all you can say is he was crazed. He, He just was not in his right mind. He was beside himself. And the symptoms that the Bible describes about this man is that he was antisocial, not living amongst the townspeople. He had gone out and he was actually living among the tombs and in the cemetery. And he was so tormented by warring things on the inside of himself. The Bible said it was evil spirits. That he often would go about nude and howling perhaps like a wolf. And the internal turmoil and pain was so great, it said that he would sometimes take stones and cut himself. Apparently, he had some extraordinary strength because the townspeople would from time to time try to control him and tie him up and bind him up, and he would always break free. And he would go fleeing back out amongst the tombs. So Jesus gets off the boat, and he runs into this crazed man outside of Gerasa. And he had compassion on the guy and all of his brokenness. And he cast these evil spirits out of him. And the man was delivered 
to be able to have sanity and peace. So much so that the entire town heard about this, took note of it, and they began to come out to the cemetery area to see who is this man, Jesus, and what has he done. And when they get out there, they are surprised. The word is like shocked to see this formerly possessed man. Sane. Serene. Clothed. In his right mind. And sitting calmly with Jesus. After a while, Jesus decided that he had been there long enough he should go. And so he went back to get into his boat and to go back across the Sea of Galilee. And the man said, oh, Jesus, Jesus, let me go with you. Let me follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go home. I want you to tell everyone around your home, everyone in your family, how much the Lord has done for you. How He has had mercy on you. And so the man did. Now we don't know exactly what happened to him after that. He's never mentioned again in the Bible. But in church history, strangely, not totally explainable, the area around Gerasa and the Decapolis in the next couple of centuries, became filled with Christians and with churches. And as far as we know, this was the only time Jesus ever set foot there. The man went. And he told others how much the Lord had done for him. Friends, that's our story. That's your story. We're a crazed, screwed up people. If you're not one of those, I'm sorry, you came in the wrong place today. But everyone around you, I don't want to make you nervous, (laughs) is pretty screwed up. We've made a lot of bad choices through the years. We've hurt ourselves, we've hurt other people through the years. And our story is that we have come to know God. Through Jesus, who loves us beyond description. And in that love relationship, we have begun to choose to turn our lives over to Him. To ask Him to be the owner, the ruler, the king of our lives. And to heal us, to forgive us, to free us from all the stuff that's been tormenting us and and pulling at us through all the years. And he has been. And so like the man from centuries ago, what can you do but love the Lord and tell others how good He has been to you, to us. Today's step we're calling Recycling Pain. This is the thing that I just never can get over about God. You go through something hard. You go through something difficult. You go through something that's unjust. 
You go through something that is wrenching and causes tears and sorrow or grief. God is so great. God is so good. He can take that busted stuff and transform it, recycle it, if you will, and make it work for good. He will never waste one sorrow that you've had. He'll never waste one tear, one heartache. If you will turn to Him, He will take all the busted stuff and transform it powerfully and make something beautiful and powerful out of it that will bring glory to Him and full and meaningful life to you and to me. What a deal. What a deal. So that the hard things that have happened in your life actually become something like a dark sky against which the stars of God's presence can be seen. One of the most powerful ways that God makes Himself known to others on this planet is through the hard times you've had that you're willing to share. And in the story comes God in a redemptive way. And in the sharing of the story, their heart's drawn to Him as well. That's the invitation of today. Would you do that? He's done so much for you. Today's step is, will you share what He's done with you with someone else? Let me articulate the the step fully this way. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, all that you've been working over these last seven weeks, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. Now, I know some of you are with us today for the first time. You're going, what in the world are you talking about? Those that are part of this church family have been on a journey together for the last seven weeks. Today's the eighth week. And in that journey, we've been busting through denial about how broken our lives are. We've been coming clean and coming real about that whole deal. And we've been turning to Jesus Christ with all of our stuff. We've been asking Him to take over and to rule and to guide, as well as to heal and to forgive and save our lives. And He's been doing it. And along the way, He's been removing from us these character defects and these busted ways and and sin. And He's been empowering us to repair relationships that we've kind of messed up and hurt along the way. And today is, okay, so when God does such a great work in you, what do you do about that? You give it back. You recycle. Let me highlight just three things about this, because it's, it's a huge step. The first is having had a spiritual awakening. Have you had one? Has God been real to you over these weeks? Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message. Message of good news. A message of what God's done in me. I'll say more about it in a minute. And to practice these principles, the stuff we've been doing for these seven weeks, we want to continue to do that in every aspect of our life for the rest of our life. So let me unpack that just a little bit. First of all, spiritual awakening. That does not mean 
particularly that something religious happened to you. What that means is that God has interacted with you in a way that you, more clearly than any other point in your life, see, know, and experience reality. What's real? So, for example, if I were to have a conversation with you after the service out in the lobby, we were having a cup of coffee, and I said, so how are you? And you had the capacity to know how you are. You had the uh, awareness of what my thinking and what my feelings are, what my uh, relationships are like, and and what my course in life is, uh, is right now. If you had an awareness of all that, friend, you've had an awakening. It's God that allows us to know such things as, how am I right now? I mean, other than the extremes, I'm really, really mad, or I'm really, really glad. I mean, most of us get that, but there's all that nuance in between. A lot of times we're going, oh, I don't know, I'm fine, I'm fine, how are you? Fine, fine. But if you know that with some clarity, you've had an awakening. How aware are you of your character defects? There is an awakened person. And somebody else said, well, I'm glad she's in touch with it. I honestly don't have any. No awakening. No awakening. Listen, the more you're in touch with your sin, the more you're in touch with your broken, busted ways, the more awakened God has been working in you. How aware are you of God Himself? You know, when uh, we hear a special song, like a moment ago, maybe it's easy to kind of sense or feel God's presence. But there are a lot of other times when you're not in the room with worship-leading type people, and you're at work, or you're at home, you're in another setting, and... uh, It seems like all around you is a lot of God-forsaken stuff. Are you aware that He's there? Can you sense Him? Can you communicate with Him? Can you commune with Him? If you can, you've had an awakening that He only can bring. So we're not talking about particularly being more religious. We're talking about being related to the living God. And then, secondly, the step says, having had this awakening, I want to carry the message. He's real. He's good. He loves. He can save. He can forgive. He can heal. He can restore. He can rebuild. I've got a full and meaningful life because of Christ. That's a good word. We're not talking about... Carrying a message that just beats people over the head with some kind of proselytizing effort and you're going to make everybody think the way you think and do what you do. We're not talking about that kind of crazy stuff. We're just talking about a life that has been touched and blessed and grateful and I'd love for somebody else that I know and care about to have something similar happen for him or for her. Would you carry that message? 1 Peter 3.15 tells us always, always be prepared to give an account to everyone 
who ask, what's the reason for the hope that you have? Give them a good answer. Let people know. Uh, it's not about, uh, I got a bonus. I'm getting along with my spouse better. My kids are, you know, mining a little. It's not all that, friends. It's the work that Christ is doing in you. So be prepared to give them the reason for the hope. But do this with gentleness and respect. We're not talking about becoming fanatical, obnoxious, intrusive kinds of people. We know them, don't we? We don't want to be one of those. Now, it's a whole lot like having a life like the Sea of Galilee. And let me say it to you this way. If you are familiar with that topography in Israel, the Jordan River runs from the north to the south in Israel and Palestine. It's this freshwater river, and it runs into the Sea of Galilee, and then out of the Sea of Galilee, and then continues south until it empties into what's called the Dead Sea. Now, the Sea of Galilee has for centuries been this incredible place of livelihood. People have been able to fish it. They've been able to, to drink it. They've been able to have life because of what that lake can provide. The Dead Sea, however, is just the opposite. It's called dead because it's dead. No life can be sustained in the Dead Sea. The mineral and salt content is so high and so pervasive in the Dead Sea, nothing can live there. No life can be sustained with it. And so what we're talking about with this like carry the message piece of our step today is this. You want the work, the power the grace of God to come into you and then flow out of you. So like a sea of Galilee, life is at work in you. You only allow what He comes to you to stay in you. It becomes like the Dead Sea. After a while, there's no life in it. And it morphs into some poor comparative thing called legalism and ritualism and religion and all that other kind of stuff. And so I'm pleading with you today. Be the kind of life that will carry the message, that will allow what God brings into you to flow out of you in life-giving ways to others. Now that can happen in a number of ways. I'm only going to mention three. One of those is in a one-to-one -one kind of Brief connect. Somebody says, how's it going with you? And if they mean it, then you can share with them honestly. Here's what's up in my life and how I'm interacting with God about that. Kind of a spontaneous, momentary uh, occasion to share who God is and what He's doing in you. And then there are those other times that you just share what God's doing in you with your presence. And wherever you are, in whatever setting with others, you bear a sense of peace. You bear a sense of serenity. You bear a sense of hope. That doesn't mean all your circumstances are just all lined up and perfect. That doesn't mean you're plastering on a smile and pretending and acting like everything's cool. No, you're in an authentic and real kind of way 
you know, I wish a few things were different, but it's good. It's well with my soul. So with presence. But in that more kind of ongoing investment way, there's that, what I would call the significant investment, where kind of like you've done through the weeks of this series, if you were an accountability partner to someone, that's the way to continue to carry the message if you ended up getting involved in our Celebrate Recovery that's going to be uh, launching this coming Thursday, and you began to be an accountability person, or later you became a sponsor, you began to facilitate one of our groups or something like that, those are ways that you give back. It can happen in your share group. It can happen with the people at your work. It can happen with somebody in your home or in your neighborhood, with whomever you are investing in an ongoing, life-giving kind of way. To carry the message. Now, friend, I'm just going to be practical with you for a minute. You have to be somewhat intentional to carry this out. It, it most of the time won't happen if you've never given a thought to it. And so I would encourage you, and this week's group experience will help you to do that, to share your story in three parts and to write that out for yourself. And it won't take long, briefly, half hour. Some of you will do it more quickly than that. Begin with, what was your life like before Christ began to work so effectively in you? You know, was it pretty whacked out? Were you making a lot of bad choices? Was the pain level pretty high? You know, what was going on with you before? And then what prompted you to begin to seek Christ and His help and to work His steps? And share a little bit about that. And then finally, what's life like now? What... What's it look like now that he's made a difference in you? And frankly, what you write down on that page should be something you can share in 60 seconds, 90 seconds, a minute or a minute and a half. We're not talking about giving, you know, like Sunday morning talks from a platform. When you carry the message. You go, well, Scott, uh, as you say this, a certain person has come to my mind, and if I were to say anything about God or faith, they would bristle, they would get mad, they would say, don't throw your religion at me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Friends, it's been that way forever. That's not something new to 2009. It's been that way forever. That's why Jesus said in His Sermon on the Mount, happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. See, this road... Uh, to a reasonably happy life involves all these steps we've been taking this week. And this last one is, if somebody is unhappy with the good news that's in my life, then they're unhappy. I'm not trying to make them unhappy. I'm not trying to be obnoxious and turn them off. I'm not going to force it on them. They draw a line and a boundary that says, don't talk to me about this kind of stuff. Okay. I may talk to God about you, but I won't talk to you about God. And I mean that lovingly. So, finally, then I'm going to practice these principles in all our affairs. See, what I've been able to learn about my issues and about my sin and my brokenness, what God's been able to teach me about that, and how He has been you know, uh, leading me through some steps to be free from that, I want to take everything I've learned in that little slice and I want to apply it to all of my life. All of my life. 
Now, someone has described that as being similar to the game of golf. Who are the golfers? Let me see. Any? Oh, wow. This is such a non-golf church. Unbelievable. <laughs> or else you're like, you know, scared that you're going to get an elbow from someone next to you and you won't look again. But uh, for those of you that are the un- uninitiated, when you go play golf, who has absolutely never played a game of golf? Okay. I'm kind of with you. It's just, uh, I've played it a lot and I hate the game. But anyway, um, you go out to the golf course with a bag full of golf clubs. You've got all these different clubs to hit this very small ball some distance into a very small hole. Sounds like a cool game, doesn't it? But it's so nice out there and green and I'll forget it. So uh, you have all these different clubs because they do different things. They all have numbers on them, if you haven't noticed. And so, if your ball is a long way from the hole, you'll use a club that has a smaller number. And if your uh, ball is closer to the hole, you will use a club that has a higher number. And there's all kinds of reasons and strategy behind all that. But the point is this. Depending on where the ball lies with respect to where the hole is, you choose a club. And it's the same way with these choices and with these steps that you've been working over these weeks. You get into kind of a crazed, controlling kind of time. Then you need to pull out the three iron. What was three? Well, I'm going to turn my life over to Christ. I'm getting too controlling, too, you know, uh, hands-on with all this stuff that's going into my life. I'm going to turn it back over to Him. I'm going to let go and let God and pull out the three. Or... I may be getting so whacked out in the way that I think, in the way that I feel. I need to confess this to a trusted other as well as to God. So I'm going to pull out the five iron. Or I'm at a point where I've ruptured and hurt a relationship. And so I'm going to pull out the nine or the ten to do some relational repair. You follow what I'm saying? It's like this game of God. You, you pull out the step. You pull out the choice that you need at whatever point with the circumstances of your life. Now, I've been doing this for a long time. And so you'd think that I would be at a point that, you know, with respect to the game of golf, you just hit a drive, it lands on the green, you putt it one time, it goes in the hole, right? Life doesn't work that way. Neither does golf. (laughs) And so just a few months ago, there were a number of circumstances kind of piling up on me, and man, I was getting kind of whacked out about it, and... I'm thinking, okay, I've I got to get control of this. And so I began my controlling stuff. And I'm like working harder than ever to try to have control of all this. And the harder I work, the less it's making a difference. And I'm getting more panicky and I'm getting kind of scared. And now I'm getting ticked off. And i got all this painful stuff generating in me. And so now I like want to medicate my pain and give me some food. And where's my candy stash and all that kind of stuff. And finally, God's like, who's in control? And I, I wasn't even at a point where I could turn control. I wasn't even at where I could pull out a three iron. I had to go back to a one and say, I'm powerless. This is unmanageable. And then I put that back in the bag and I had to take out the two and say, but I believe Christ has the power to address what's going on in my life. And then I was able to put that back and take out the three and turn my life over again and let go and let God. Are you following me? I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Work these steps. Live this process. 
and know the full and the meaningful life that He's planned for each of us. So, next steps. Some of you may not have even settled this issue about Jesus and His Lordship over your life. And you've been hearing stories. By the way, those of you that have shared testimonies for us over these weeks, helping carry the message, thank you again for what you've been doing. But for those that you've been hearing the stories, you've been watching the lives, you've been seeing the things happen in your small group, and you're so close to it, but you've never really given your own heart to Christ. You've never really had His presence move in to your presence and begin to do life with you. Will you commit your life to Christ? Would you let this be the day where you settle that faith issue and it's going to be a following of Christ the rest of my life? On the back side of your connection card, there's a little blank that says, I, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Or in the prayer comments at the bottom, you can just say, Scott, I want to take that step. And I'll pray for you about that. I'll follow up with you about that if you'd like to do that. Will you write your story? Friends, it's a dead sea if God does all these things in you and you don't share, you don't give back, you don't allow Him to do something through you that He's done for you. It will work against you. But will you carry the message? Will you go to the step of like writing some of that down and just preparing your heart, being ready to give an answer for the hope? That is in you. And will you commit yourself to a church family? Now the way church works in our culture by and large today is kind of like a cafeteria. I'll go over to this church because they got some cool kid youth stuff happening. But you know what? This week they got some cool music stuff happening over at this other church. Oh, so-and-so is going to be speaking at such and such. I'm going to go over to that one this week. And we treat the church like a cafeteria. I'll go get an entree over here. I'll go get a dessert over here. I'll go get an appetizer over here. And friends, let me just say, that is not the way God designed His church to function. Church is intended to be a community, a family of faith, where you get into thick relationship with one another. You learn how to love because you practice love on one another within a church. You learn how to forgive. Because you practice forgiveness on one another within a church. You learn how to take relational risk with one another. You learn how to serve by practicing on one another. That's how God intended His church to happen. So that you make a commitment to His church in a local expression of that so He can work these things out in you and through you. Will you commit yourself to the Lord in His church. It doesn't have to be this one. We'd love for it to be this one for you. But mostly we want it to be wherever God wants you to plant your life and be invested. And then finally, will you ask God to give you someone with whom you can share your story this week? Just ask Him, Lord, you've done a lot in my life. I'm going to write some of this down. Will you give me someone to share that with this week? 
because I love you. I want to love you by living for you and carrying this message for you. Listen, I was in a setting a few days ago. Almost all that were in my circle that we were having conversation were at some point of arm's length distance from God and Christ and church and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, my secret identity had come out and they knew I was a minister. (laughs) And so we were having a chat about something or other and, and one little prompt came up. And so I just shared in a few seconds how grateful I am for the life that I have, that and I feel like God has blessed me in such undeserved ways. That's all I said. I've been hearing from people about that all week. A little email here, a little contact there. For just a few seconds. But whether it had been a positive outcome or not, I just, I love Him. I want to live for Him. I want others to know the good news of what a difference He can make in life. Will you pray with me about these things? Father, I pray for the friend right now who is so close to the line of faith. Oh God, would You extend a hand, the hand of Your Spirit to just invite them across the line of faith and to become a Christ follower, to be forgiven of their sin and to have their home in heaven with You forever. And for others of us, Lord, would you do a work in us that we can carry this message? Would you enable us to get it and articulate it to your glory and to the help of those that are around us? And Lord, would you give us the courage and the wherewithal to connect with a church family? To just be fully engaged in your family. So Lord, we know you love us. We want to live for you.